0: It's good to be here with you this morning. Before um, I preach, you can bring me down a little bit. Um, before I preach, um, I just want to say thank you uh, to uh, the team, the event coordination, everything that happened to make today possible. I uh, want to thank uh, Becky Richmond and uh, Trilvia and Jevy and uh, you know everybody that prepared the food. Let's give them a hand. Can we do that? And I know that a number of the, the young guys uh, uh, have put together the, you know, the uprights for the, the kids and all of that kind of thing. And, and I also have to say, I don't know if you noticed, but the landscaping looked fantastic this morning, didn't it? So Scott Chandler, Chandler Landscaping, thank you so much for that. And uh, so we're just, uh, we're, we're excited about what God's doing here. I'm looking forward to sharing the word with you today. I'm going to ask a couple of questions. And then we're going to start, okay? You don't have to feed back with me, but you can if you want to. It's okay. I'm not afraid. <laughs> Eat scared, which is the way they said it where I came up in North Carolina. So here's the, here's the first question. First question. What does Kobe Bryant, Prince Amakara, did I say that correctly? Amakara. Uh, yeah, that guy. And an unborn child, what do they all have in common? They have a soul. That's right. They all have a soul. They all have a soul. And so we're going to talk today about how is it with your soul? How is it with your soul? I'm just going to be, you know, straight up with you. I I just want you to ask that question. If I could sit with every one of you today, I would ask you the question, how is it? With your soul. I'm not asking you, are you doing right or doing wrong? I'm not asking you, what, uh, you know, of yourself. How is I just, my soul. A lot of times we can get so busy looking at, at life and we got this thing to keep up with, that thing to keep up with. Where, we're, you know, where life is, life comes at you fast, life come at, comes at you hard, but we never stop. And 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 question to ourselves: How is it with my soul? I was listening to a worship song this morning. It is well with my soul, right? And we and we can sing that, you know. From, but sometimes we sing that, and it's not true. Sometimes we sing that out of nostalgia. Sometimes we sing that because we like the tune. Sometimes we 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 sing "It is well with my soul" as a not as a reality, but as a what, what we would hope for. It is well with my soul. But I, I want us to dig into that a little bit today. I came across this poem that I hadn't seen in 28 years. And uh, it's, uh, it's called, That's My Soul Lying There by Ernest Stetch. I think I'm pronouncing his name right. So bear with me this morning. That's my soul lying there. You don't know what a soul is? You think it's some kind of ghostly sheet-like thing that you can see through and it floats in the air? That's my soul lying there. Remember when my hand shook because I was nervous in the group? Remember the night I goofed and argued too much and got mad and couldn't get out of the whole mess? I was putting my soul on the line. Another time I said that someone once told me something about herself that she didn't have to. I said that she told me something that could have hurt her, and I guess I was asking you to do the same I guess I was asking you to let me know you That's part of my soul too When I told, when I told you that my mother didn't love my dad I, And I knew it as a kid When I said that my eyes water when I get hurt Even though I'm 34 I'd have to put 52 in there And too much a man to cry I was putting my soul out there in the space between you and me I've never met God. I've never met God. I mean, I've never met that old man who sits on a cloud with a crown and a staff and knows everything and is everything and controls everything. But I've met you. Is that God in your face? Is that God in your soul lying there? Well, that's my soul lying there. I'll let you pick it up. That's why I put it there. It'll bruise and it'll turn rancid like an old banana if you want to manhandle it. It'll go away if you want to ignore it. But if you want to put your soul there beside it, there may be love. There may even be God. How is it with your soul? Here's a thought that comes out of Psalm 142, verse 4. It says, look to the right and see... There is none who takes notice of me. No refuge remains to me. No one cares for my soul. No one cares for my soul. How is it with your soul? How is it with your soul? Here's a reality that I think is important for all of us to get a hold of. And again, you know, I I think what happens is that we misunderstand what God is up to in the world. Going back to what Prince said, we think it's about rules. We think it's about, uh, I got to do X number of good things to outweigh the X number of bad things I've done. And then on, on some, some cosmic metric scale, then, then we will weigh the balance in our favor and we'll get his pleasure Here's the first thing I want you to understand about your soul. Your soul never dies. I could ask you a question. When uh, when do you get a soul? Do you get a soul when you're born? Do you get a soul at conception? Did did your soul exist outside of a body before you were ever conceived? Some mysteries there, right? Right? Psalm 139 gives us some clues, but uh, where does a soul come We know a soul comes from God. Somehow in his cosmic design, God has figured this out. He's the architect. He is the God of all souls. And so when we understand that we have a soul and it always will live, it'll live somewhere, it'll live here, while we're here with our body, it'll live in heaven after we die or in hell if we haven't made that connection with Jesus, and I'll talk about that in a minute, there, your soul is everlasting. There's more to this thing than meets the eye. And so many times what happens is that we don't realize that this never dying soul in the, on the inside of us wants expression. It wants people to know it. It wants to be known, and it wants to know. And that's, I think, what that poem is about. But it's also what Psalm 142 is about. Who cares for my soul? And I'm thankful that we know that God cares for our soul. But here's what I want to talk to you about uh, today. Let's uh, go to 1 Peter chapter 1. 1 Peter chapter 1. 1 Peter chapter 1 verse, verse 8. I'm kind of interrupting a, uh, a, a, a whole paragraph, but I'm only going to do two verses here. So feel free to go back and look those others up. This is speaking of Jesus Christ. In verse 8 it says, though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him. Obviously, he's talking to believers. And are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. For you are receiving the goal of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Now, uh, we just learned about our soul, that our soul never dies. It's everlasting. It, It continues on. Another thing you need to understand about a soul is a soul can be sick. A soul can be unwell. A soul uh, is, uh, again, wanting that expression, uh, wanting to be known and wanting to know our soul can reach out for things and say, maybe this is where the solution lies, and it'll reach out and grab something and take it to itself. And when you take something to yourself that's foreign, that's not supposed to be there, that's when a soul can get sick. Uh, I have an eight month old Nora granddaughter and you know she's just a baby, but what do babies do by nature? As soon as they touch it, they grab it and they wow put it in their mouth, right? So if anything's within reach, sooner or later it's going to end up near her mouth. What, what do you have to do as a parent? You have to make sure okay, everything's clear and all of that kind of stuff. But you know what? when we're immature, And our understanding of of what our soul does, we do the same thing. We think that our never dying soul can be improved upon if we have that relationship with that person, or we think that uh, my life will be better when I have that extra uh, $10,000 or that extra job or whatever it is, and we begin to, we just take it, and we want to make it part of us. We want a taste of it. We want to own it. We want it to, and you know what's going on? This is just your soul saying, I need some meaning. This is just your soul saying, I want to know what life is about. I don't feel like like I'm complete, I'm incomplete, and so I reach and I pull, and I reach, and I pull, and what happens? You know, we get ourselves in debt. We get ourselves, we eat too much. We drink too much. We take stuff in, and all of that is because our soul is a a little off balance. It's not where it needs to be. It hasn't found that connection, and here's why. The reason that your soul is out of connection is because you have got to have faith. God created us in his likeness and in his image, and and we've got to have faith. We've got to have a belief uh, in someone or something outside of us, beyond us. And we know as believers, you know, I'm kind of backing my way into this because I I know there are people here that maybe don't believe, uh, but you know what? You can belong until you believe. It's okay. You belong here. You belong here with your questions. You belong here with your, you know, trying to find the evidence and seeking things out. You belong here. Safest place to ask questions in the world right here. Ask your questions. Bring your life. Bring the totality of who you are. You are not gonna be judged. Come on in. Ask all, ask away. So what I want you to get a hold of here though is that is that even um, even people that don't believe still have faith. People that don't believe in Jesus. If I went around and I asked Anybody? That, do Do you think if, if I walked up to anybody and I looked down and I said, are, "Are you alive?" Yeah. How do you know? Well, you know, because I can, I can experience the world around me. I can respond to my atmosphere. I'm I've got respiration in my lungs. Feel my heart; it's beating right now, kind of a little fast. And uh, but there's faith that that person has a soul. I mean, I don't totally. I can't totally describe what a soul is, but I know you have one. Does that make sense? I mean, obviously the Bible describes it in some, but where does it exist? I can point to where your your to your noggin, that's where your brain is, right? I can point to that part of your body where your heart is, but where's your soul? Point to me. Is it in your big toe? Where does it reside? It's a mystery. But I think even unbelievers would believe that there's something animated about a human being. There's something on the inside. Haven't you met some excellent souls? Haven't you met? I, I'm just always impressed when I, when I meet people that are like top of their game and, you know, and, and just doing, you know, just doing amazing things. You know, they, they've discipline themselves. And, and it doesn't really matter what stream they're in. I, I'm, I, I love to see people excel. That's, what, who, where, where did that come from? God put it on the inside of us a desire to grow, a desire to excel, a desire to be. And and so, uh, so I get around people and I say, man, that person, I, I may not use the, these words, but that person's impressive or that's an excellent soul. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean that they've, uh, you know, that they've got a big title next to their name or a lot of awards or something like that, but maybe they've got a winning attitude even though they've been dealt a bad hand. I sat and listened to a pastor last week and I just wanted to crawl under the table feeling so terrible for him because it was like the story of Job. It was crazy, all the bad things that came out against this guy. And yet he's still standing. And yet he's up every Sunday preaching. And yet he's still going, you know. And I looked I said, man, but, you know, it wasn't just him, but it was the grace of God on him. You see what I mean? But our souls can be sick. And notice what the text uh, says there with me. Um, it, says, it says, though you have not seen him, you love him. So there's the faith part, but there's this expression of my love for Christ. Now, what, what is love except the desire to, uh, to serve, the desire to adore, the desire to, uh, to know about? I can tell you, when Holly and I first started dating, This was uh, back in the day with landlines. You know, a landline, you know, a phone plugged into a wall. And she would be in her dorm, and it was after curfew. She would be in her dorm. Yeah, my my college, okay, really bad. Anybody know what a curfew is? (laughs) 30 years ago. And she'd be in her dorm, and I'd be in my dorm, and, and I'd be sitting there, and we'd be Talking on the phone, and then after a while, I just get quiet. (sighs) You still there? Yeah. And we could just be. We'd run out of things to talk about, but that person over there, you know, I mean, before Holly, I didn't want to talk on the phone. Talk on the phone? What a waste of time. Who would do that? I got stuff to do. Then there's Holly. (sighs) You desire to spend time with, you want to interact with, right, the, the love. So our, our love for God is so much more amazing because when you, when you set your affection on God, um, he never lets you down. Now, here's what I want, I want to qualify that because you some, oh, Pastor Ken, God has let me down. No, your understanding of who God is let you down. Your, maybe your theology that you borrowed from somebody else that was not biblical let you down, but God himself never let you down. Jesus says, I am the author and the finisher of your faith, but he doesn't have to finish anything he didn't author so you and I need to realize that when our souls reach out, we've got to have the real thing. We don't want some substitute. We don't want some corrupted, uh, you know, idol that's between us and God. We've got to love the real thing, Jesus Christ himself. We've got to set our affections on him. And so it says, here, here I'm going to get you to the place you can diagnose your own soul. You ready? Touch your neighbor, say, you ready? Fasten your belts. Even though you don't see him now, you believe in him and this, and you are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. The Bible tells us that God's spirit bears witness with our spirit that we're a child of God. That on Ken Kramer's worst day, Holy Spirit on the inside, if I were to to just stop and say, Holy Spirit, you still there? (sighs) You still there? He's going to say, You're my child, you're my son. Holy Spirit bears witness with my spirit that I'm a child of God. It happened when I was 17 years old. And on my good days, my bad days, every day in between, I've known that Jesus Christ is Lord of my life. Now, I've had days when, when you know, I, I, wanted to, I wanted to run from that. I've had days when I was much more interested in the temptations than I was being freed from temptation. I've had those moments. I've had those dry times in my walk with God, but I never could get away from the fact that the Holy Spirit was still bearing witness on the inside of me that I was his because he can't disown me, right? I'm his child, right? And so Holy Spirit's bearing witness on the inside of me that I'm a child of God. And, and what happens as a result of that is what Peter says. When your soul is where it needs to be, then you are filled With an inexpressible and glorious joy. So let me ask you again, how is it with your soul? You say, Pastor Ken, you know, my circumstances, this and this and this and this and this. I get circumstances. How is it with your soul? But I'm not responsible for what's going on in the world. And, you know, let's talk politics for a second. I'd rather not. But, uh, but, you know, it doesn't matter. How is it with your soul? You see, those are two separate questions. You are responsible to look over your soul. You are responsible to understand. And if you're not quite sure and you need some more wisdom, because we all do, then get together with a group of believers, and we'll huddle up, and we'll help you with your soul. Here's the thing I I want you to understand. You know, you are in charge. This is one of those things as as a parent, I get older and older and and there are things that I wanna say to my kids that I couldn't say to them when they were younger, you know? And and a lot of that has to do with, you know what? You're responsible for your attitude. Like couldn't, it was harder to say when they were six because, you know, attitude, what's that? What's attitude? That's that thing you got right now. And I'm about to adjust it (laughs) but sooner or later right we become mature and then who's responsible when mom or dad are not there it it goes like this you know there's a there's a quote uh, uh, that Abraham Lincoln actually did say there's a lot of quotes out there that Abraham Lincoln quoted on the internet that he did not say and, uh, but, um, but Abraham Lincoln said this. Well, a cabinet member came to him one day, and they were trying to uh, expand the, the presidential cabinet. And, and he said, well, what about this guy? And Abraham said, I don't like his face. And the cabinet member said, oh, sir, come on. You can't hold that man. That, his face is the face that God gave him. He said, you know, you can't hold him responsible for his face. He said, a man who's over 40 is responsible for his face. The Word of God tells us to guard your heart, for out of it come the issues of life. And some of us would rather hold somebody else responsible for guarding our heart. I have a crummy attitude because my boss. I have a crummy attitude because my teacher. I have a crummy attitude because my preacher. I have a crummy attitude. Fill in the blank. But you know what? Jesus said it this way, according to your faith, it's done to you. He didn't say according to what your preacher says. He didn't say according to what your boss does. He didn't say according to what government you function under. You and I are responsible to make sure that our soul is positioned so that God can do what he wants to do in it. Where is your joy today? Where is your joy? Because that's one of the barometers of where your soul is. Peter says, You are filled, because you believe, you are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. When Paul was trying to correct a a bad teaching that was in the uh, Galatian church, he said, Who has bewitched you? And he comes to them and he says, Where is your joy? When you first accepted Christ, nobody could get you down. When you first accepted Christ, you knew that you knew that you knew that there was a God in heaven and he loved you and every word in the Bible was true and all those promises were yes and amen in Christ Jesus and they had your name written all over it and God had your picture on his refrigerator and you knew all of this stuff. You knew it. And you were filled with this inexpressible and glorious joy and then what happened? Well, life starts to happen and we start to think on the wrong things and then we let offense get in there and then we, somebody ticked us off and we never, we never sat with them and got through it. We never practiced Matthew 18 and made sure that uh, there wasn't anything between us and we got our forgiveness, they got their forgiveness, we're moving on. We don't do that, stuff builds up in our soul and our soul starts to get sick and the first thing to go is your joy. Your joy goes You're still trudging away. You're still working as hard as ever. And now instead of living from that place of joy, you're saying, why doesn't anybody notice how how hard I'm working around here? How come nobody's paying attention? You know what you're saying? No man cares for my soul. But God has set you as a watch over your soul. He set people like me as a watch over your soul so that I can communicate things like this that are hard but necessary, right? I needed this message worse than you. They don't get preached to anybody until they get preached to me first. How is it with my soul? Got to look at myself in the mirror. How is it with my soul? And here's the good news. Remember, your soul is never going to be happy unless it has faith. And you're never going to have faith until you put your trust in the shed blood of Jesus. God put a marker in history. He put a cross with the blood of Jesus on it. And that marker in history is what everybody in the Old Testament looked forward to. And everybody since uh, the cross came looks back to and said, That's the deal. It's the cross. It's the empty tomb. It's the fact that God settled accounts with humanity that whosoever would believe should not perish but have everlasting life. Jesus said, you gotta be born again. You gotta bring your soul to God and say, God, I believe, and and by believing, the Bible says you pass from death to life. That's why so many of you uh, in this room today have said, you said, I wasn't there, but I know you said it. You said, there's got to be more to life than this. There's got to be more to life. This is why people commit suicide. They hadn't found out that there's more to life than this, that there's a whole eternity on the other side, that people get sin sick, their soul gets weighed down with the weight of the world. I was just talking to Paul Cole yesterday about this. He said, how do people do it without Jesus? How do you live in a world, and and how how do you get rid of your burdens? How do you get on the other side without Jesus? And the Bible says that you can't have faith. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. You can't have faith unless you've heard the message. And if you've heard the message, then faith rises up in your heart. Oh, 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 I get it. How many of you uh, when you accepted Christ, you remember in that moment, the, the, the sun had never been more beautiful, the grass had never been greener, the, the greener, the sky had never been bluer. What happened in that moment? God took the puzzle piece. Uh, that you were missing and he, he put it in your heart and he took out a heart of stone and he put it in a heart of flesh and you came alive in that moment. That's what the Bible says. you're dead in your trespasses and sins in the way you used to live. But God made you alive in Christ Jesus. This is what He does. This is what God is good at. This is, this is what He exists and why He exists and how He exists so that we might have a relationship with Him. But outside our relationship with Him, outside of putting our faith and trust in the finished work of Jesus, the Bible says that death reigns. It's just the same old, same old. The, the lights are not on on the inside. You might be walking around, and you have a soul, but it's not, been made, it's not been animated. It's not been made alive through the person of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit wants to inhabit you. He wants to turn the lights on on the inside. He wants you to know the reality of how good life can be. Amen? Amen? finished work of Jesus when you put your trust in the finished work of Jesus the rest of life makes sense I was only 17 when I asked Jesus into my heart but all of a sudden I had these aha moments oh I get it That's why I went through this, and that's why this happened, and that's why this happened. And it's an amazing thing. I don't know how God can do it, but my folks divorced when I was seven, but here I was at 17 years old in western North Carolina. And the thought occurred to me, what would have happened if I had never made it to this living room where I am right now? I never would have come to know Jesus like I am today and you suddenly start looking at your life and your soul, when your soul is well, you can look at the rest of your life and say, it's gift. It's gift. I'm not saying God caused it. I'm not saying God did it. But I'm saying, in the midst of my circumstances, all of that is gift to me because he made it. So he he made it connect. He made me uh, come into a level of understanding that I've never had before. Jesus. Jesus wants you to know that it can be well with your soul. But it can't be well with your soul without him. Without him, life is not going to make sense. Without him, you're going to go from one Addiction to another. You might be addicted to work. You might be uh, addicted to people calling your name in public places so that you can be puffed up. You might be addicted to sex. You might be addicted to drugs. Those things are all a sign that your soul is unwell. And the only way your soul is ever going to be made well is when you humble yourself and say, oh, it's not about what I do. The work of God is this to believe in the one that He sent. It's not about joining a church. It's not, jo- it's not about showing up here every Sunday. It's not about, you know, uh, oh, I just, now I, I, I pet the neighbor's dog instead of kicking it. It's not about any of that. <laughs> the work of God is this to believe in the one that He sent. The finished work of Jesus. Can we stand? This morning, let's just bow our heads right now. I share a message like this because I have concern in my heart for how is it with your soul? I don't know. I don't know how it is with your soul. You're the only one that can answer that question. I'm not asking you how your day is. I'm not asking you, you know, uh, what's the the trend? What's the prognosis look like? Where are you going to be in five years? I'm not asking you those questions. The question that only matters right now, that you could be honest before God to say, it's either well or it's not well. And I'm not going to ask you to fill in any blanks. You don't have to give any answer to me. But I think the Holy Spirit has given us an answer, a solution, some steps to begin to put our soul in the proper place and condition. An inexpressible and glorious joy. What's your joy level today? What's your peace level today? Is your mind driving you because you're striving to get this done, that done, the other thing done? Sometimes that's just because your soul is not where it needs to be. Come to God and be at rest. Come to God, let him settle some issues for you. We just take a minute and bow our heads right now before we move from this spot. I'm not asking you In this next question, I'm not asking you, are you saved or unsaved? I'm asking you, do you need prayer to get your soul in the right spot? If you need prayer to get your soul in the right spot, I'm just gonna ask you to raise your hand and then I'm gonna pray for you. Right here. Right here, right now. You need prayer to get your soul in the right spot. Pray for me, Pastor Ken. I need my soul to be in the right spot. I want that joy that I used to have. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation, David prayed in Psalm 51. Lord, we ask you for mercy today. We ask you for mercy. Come on all over this place. Jesus, I ask you for mercy. I thank you for your shed blood. That that cross had my name on it that that sin was sin that I had sinned. And God made you who had no sin to be sin for me so that I might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, so that I might go free. Father, in the name of Jesus right now, just pray for mercy. Over each and every person, Lord God. have so been honest enough before you to say it's not well with my soul, but I want it to be well with my soul. So Father, I pray that you would make the adjustments, you would make the shift, you would release faith in our hearts to believe that not only, Jesus, are you strong enough to save us, but you're also strong enough to deliver us, that you are strong enough to transform us from where we were to where you want us to be, that in a flash, in a moment, you can take out a heart of stone and you can put in a heart of flesh. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray over my brothers and sisters today, every person, Lord, that they would call on your name and that by calling on your name, their faces would never be covered with shame, that you would be the glory and the lifter of their head today, oh God. Father, in Jesus' name, I pray that your Holy Spirit would would, uh, rise up on the inside of them today. Today bearing witness that they are a child of God father in the name of Jesus we're not going to settle for any substitutes we're not going to compromise we want you Lord come on church I want to hear you say it I want you God I want you I want that joy back in my soul I want you Lord God to to, uh, correct what's been sick in my soul God Lord I can't get on the other side of the sin problem unless my soul is healthy Lord I want to prosper and be in health as my soul prospers oh God Father in the name of Jesus I ask you Lord God to superintend over my soul teach me to nurture my soul teach me to care for my soul the way you called me to do it Thank you Lord Thank you Lord Thank you Lord I have a scripture one more scripture I need to I need to pop it in here but it's it's what Holly started with today It's really literally a revelation that the Lord showed me when Holly was pregnant with uh, Heather so many years ago. And uh, I think I can... It starts out, how great is the love that the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God, and that is what we are. And I, I think the one thing that's so powerful about this, here it is, okay. And that is what we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Dear friends, now we are, now, everybody say now. Now we are the children of God. And what we will be has not yet been made known. There is more of your life that Jesus wants you to discover in him. It says, but we, we know that when he appears, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. Everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself just as he is pure you know so what that word tells me and 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 this was the comparison this was the metaphor that God gave us gave me while Holly was pregnant is that you know in the world when a woman knows that there's a a little life on the inside of her she she might have partied a lot before she got pregnant. But then when she finds out she's, she's pregnant, she says, oh, I better taper it off a little bit. I better, I better straighten up my life a little bit. And you find that even in the world, even among unbelievers. Why? Because they're concerned about that little life, you see. There's a life. And there's a life down on the inside of you that God is forming. And he said, everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself. There are things that, that, uh, that the Lord used to let me get by with when I was younger in the faith. But he doesn't let me get by with it anymore there were attitudes that I, that used to be okay probably weren't okay but I never heard anything from the Holy Spirit but now he doesn't let me get by now it's you go make that right now it's you can't you don't have a day to get it right you got about 30 seconds boy get your tail in gear there you know what's going on but he's growing me right because he knows who I can be in him and God's got some things for you and he wants you to have that hope on the inside of you and he wants you to purify yourself just as he is, as you follow the Holy Spirit he is going to direct you keep your soul wake up every morning and say how is it with my soul check your joy level you know you check your oil level in your car that's what keeps it going Well, the Bible says the joy of the Lord is your strength How many of you sometimes feel strong and other times feel weak? Yeah. Well, check your level. Find out how much strength you've got on the inside. How much joy are you operating on today? Have you depleted that? Okay, how do you go get it? What do you need to do to recharge? Let me pray a blessing on you and then Pastor Bernie's gonna uh, uh, give us directions for for the rest of things. Father. I speak a blessing over uh, these wonderful people that are here today. Lord, they've heard your word. And Lord, your word says that the entrance of thy word brings life. Lord, you're lighting our path. The the word is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path, God. And I thank you, Lord, for lighting our our way. I I thank you, Lord, for helping us to navigate the the next step in our life, the relationships in our lives. We ask you, Lord, God, that you would help us to move forward uh, as individuals who love Jesus, but as a corporate body that we would learn to build one another up according to our needs. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, uh, don't forget inside Lighthouse, if you're a guest with us, please stop by there. Um, you're gonna uh, get a bunch of emails. You know, it's funny because I was, I was kind of snickering to myself because I, we got like three meals coming up and then we're gonna do a fast the end of the month. So it's almost like we're loading up in advance, right? Um, but uh, on the 23rd of this month, there is a, a very unique missions conference unlike any we've ever done. Uh, it's $100 a plate. We have uh, only about 100 seats and uh, we need sponsors for it, but uh, if you're interested in missions at all or the vision for Lighthouse in regards to missions, then you'll find a way to be there. What I kind of thought was, I can, we can make it a hundred dollars a plate because you're about to go on the cheap on the forty-day fast, and uh, and that's just uh, that's just about a week's worth of your eating out. And uh, and so anyway, God bless you. We love you, and uh, Pastor.